we haven't met before, my name is Bill. I'm the interim uh, pastor here for the next few weeks. Right in the second week of this series that we're calling Rhythms. Uh, rhythms because uh, for, for those of us that want to live an adventurous faith, for those of us who feel this pull, feel this tug that says, I, I don't want to just live a mundane faith. Like I, I actually want to see God do things in and through my life. And how do I do that? And so what we're really saying is it's about adopting these spiritual rhythms in our life. These rhythms that they don't, they don't constantly add more to our plate, but it makes every moment uh, that much more intentional. Uh, and so for me, the mantra of this series is uh, following Jesus in the everyday rhythms uh, of our life. Uh, last week, we talked about rest. Uh, that rest is about enjoying life. Rest is about not being defined by our work. Rest is about grace and rest is about healing. Um, so who would say, or this past week, if you were here last week, who would say you did a really good job at resting last, this week? By show of hands, raise them high. If you're like, I, I did a good job resting. That's good. Okay, so who would say I did a really, really, really bad job resting this week? Yeah. So who said they did a good job again? I want to see those hands one more time. Now, here's, here's the deal. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. So church is not a building. Church is people, right? People around you, the people who have their hands raised in the air, like uh, take them to lunch, buy them coffee, <laughs> right? If they are your spouse, listen to them. <laughs> right? Because here's the thing. I love what it says in the Proverbs that just as iron sharpens iron, uh, man sharpens man. We sharpen each other. Uh, you can put your hands down. I didn't give you permission, but all you guys chose to anyways. But uh, seriously, we actually get to be on this journey of faith together. We get to live out these rhythms together. It's not about us trying to persevere on our own, us trying to do all these things by ourselves. We actually do get to do this in community with people. So I'm serious. If you saw someone with their hand raised and you like that person or maybe you think they're cute, invite them for coffee, invite them for lunch. Um, no kissing allowed. What's that about? Um, but yeah, so today I really want us to dive into this next rhythm of listening, right? This rhythm of listening that we actually learn to open our ears, that we actually learn uh, what it's like to live a life of faith where we're listening, we're in tune with God and listening to his spirit, and we're in tune with the world, and we're listening to the people around us. Uh, and how do we do that? How do we step into these, to, these, uh, to this, this idea of the profound rhythm of listening? Because I feel like the world we live in, it's, I, I don't think people are necessarily bad listeners. I think what's, what, what's happening in, in the world right now is there is so many voices. There is so much noise. There is so much out there. I, I'm pretty sure it's we don't know who to trust. We don't know which one of those voices to follow. When I think about all the voices that we have to encounter on a daily basis, it's like there's a hurricane of voices. There's this hurricane of voices just swirling. And how do we get through that hurricane of voices uh, and really listen to God's voice? How do we find ourselves in tune with what uh, he wants to say to us? Um, this week, I tried really hard to take on the rhythm of rest. Uh, so what I did was 
um, I decided to take a stab at baking bread. All right? Any bakers out there? So uh, my, my family, one of our regular rhythms of rest is we always take Mondays off. Monday is our family day. And so uh, Manny, he has a family day song, my son. He always sing, every Monday he sings, family day, family day, family, family, family day. Right? When he's 18, I'm going to make him sing it. Right? <laughs> but I love family day. It's a day that we just get to enjoy each other. We get to rest together. And so two weeks ago, uh, I decided, we, were, we were just kind of hanging out, watching TV together, and we watched The Great British Bake Off. Anyone see that show? That show's amazing, by the way. I thought it was so weird and dumb at first, but I, uh, I, my guilty pleasure is cooking shows. Um, cooking shows are like candy. They're sweet, they're addictive, uh, but there's no substance whatsoever to them. Um, and so I'm watching The Greatest British, British Bake Off, and I get inspired. I'm like, I want to bake bread. Uh, and I love sourdough, and I heard that sourdough is only three ingredients, flour, water, salt. I have those ingredients. I can do that. So I look up a recipe to make sourdough, and it, it literally says, combine flour and water, and basically let sit on the counter for five days. That's step one. I was like, are you kidding me right now? I have to like, let this sit for five days? Because what it does is it takes the wild yeast from the air, and the wild yeast starts to feed off the flour and the water, and so then it, that's how you collect the yeast. And I was like, okay, I'll take a stab at it. I'll try it. So then that five days ended up taking two weeks because I kept killing the yeast. I kept, I kept forgetting to feed it, and then all of a sudden it would smell like a dirty sock. Um, and, and so I kept having to kind of bring it back to life because it was resting too much. But then this Monday, the yeast was finally ready, and I was able to bake the bread. So then I get to go to step two of the recipe, and it's, it's an all-day process. It's like you had more flour, water. You got to fold it, let it sit, fold it, let it sit, fold it, let it sit. Uh, and then you got to shape it, let it sit. And then the last step that I didn't read ahead, I should probably read all the instructions first, right? <laughs> I just kind of go one step at a time. It says, let rest for 12 hours in the fridge. I'm like, come on, I still didn't get to bake my bread. So then uh, I wake up early the next day when the kids get up for school. I put the bread in the oven and it comes out and it looks perfect. Right, it looks absolutely, the crust is golden, it's crunchy. I kind of squeezed it a little bit, and it kind of started to crack. I'm like, yes, I did it. But then you have to let it rest more. Because you can't cut into it right away because it's still cooking even when you take it out of the oven. Uh, so I had to let it sit for another three, four hours. And I was working from home that day. And so when three hours was up, I finally cut into the bread. And I took a slice, and I took a bite, and the crust was perfect. And inside, the texture was like chewing gum. It was so gross. (laughs) But it's so frustrating because I feel like I did everything right. I feel like I followed the instructions. I feel like I rested when it was supposed to rest. I felt like I was working the dough when I was supposed to work it. And yet it still didn't rise. It still didn't do what it was supposed to do. And I kind of feel like that taught me so much about my own life. So much about my own rhythms of rest that so often I I rest, but it doesn't feel like a success. It doesn't feel like I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. Uh, And then with this bread, I feel like, okay, now what I need to do is I need to listen to the bread. It kind of sounds weird, but I need to listen. Like, what what is the bread telling me? 
Why did this fail? Why did this not succeed? Where am I going to go through the recipe, go through the instructions, kind of figure out what I can do different next time in order to allow this bread to thrive? And when I look at my own life, I think it's the same way when I create these rhythms of rest in my life. They don't always work out. But then I get to kind of listen. I get to listen to what is my soul telling me? What is God telling me? What do I need to kind of change and adapt in my life so I can actually live a life that is connected so closely to God that it's this adventure, that I'm thriving in my faith, that I'm thriving in my life, even in the midst of uh, chewy bread. So this rhythm of listening, I'm convinced if we don't learn the rhythm of rest, we will never be able to step into the rhythm of listening. Because in this world that is a hurricane of voices, that is a hurricane of noise, we're never going to be able to step into the eye of the storm. That is the voice of God. Unless we get out of all that noise, all the chaos, and we learn to rest, we learn to create these healthy rhythms in our life um, so that we can actually encounter what the voice of God sounds like. There's this story in the Bible that I always go back to. Uh, it's found in the book of First Kings. Uh, there's this prophet named Elijah. So back in the Old Testament, the only people that would hear from God are prophets. Uh, kings wouldn't hear from God. They would have prophets that we, they would call to tell them, what is God saying? Right? So this prophet named Elijah, uh, I, I want to read you part of this story of when God uh, speaks to him. It's found in First Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 11. It says, Then the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? And so what we find is that the voice of God in our life is this gentle whisper. And if we can't fight through all the noise in our life, I'm convinced we will never fully be able to listen to what God wants to say to us that it'll be so hard for him to, uh, to shape our lives and to shape who we're becoming unless we learn to rest that leads us into listening. And so today I want to do things a little differently than I normally do, is I really want to share with you some very practical things that I do in my life to hear the voice of God and to allow myself to listen to others. And so if you're one of those people that like to um, follow along in the handouts, I intentionally left it blank today because what I want today to be is I want you to kind of do a lot of internal reflection and begin to ask yourself, uh, how can I hear the voice of God in my life? So I'm going to give you some practical things that I do. And I think there's some of these ways that you can actually learn from some of the things that I've done uh, and use them in your own life to create this regular rhythm of rest or this regular rhythm of listening every day. Uh, in your in your journey of faith, so uh, that's what we're going to do today.
Uh, number one, one of those things that I do to create uh, a regular rhythm of listening in my life is number one, meditate on the scriptures. Meditate on the scriptures. Now, why did I say the word meditate and not read? Uh, a couple different reasons why. Uh, the first one is I think a lot of times we've, we've been told in our life you need to read the Bible. And so what happens is reading the Bible just becomes a checklist in our life. We get maybe like the 365-day reading plan, and it's just a matter of we're just trying to get through it. We're just trying to get through all these readings that we have to get through. And, and what we need to do is slow down. What we need to do is take the scripture and just slow down with it. Um, I love what it says in Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. In that word meditate, those who meditate on the scriptures uh, day and night, that word meditate is actually the Hebrew word haga. And that word that's translated meditate can also be translated to mutter. To mutter. To mutter quietly under one's breath. Right? That we read the scriptures and we're constantly muttering it under our breath. We're allowing this story to shape us. This, this story that was not written specifically to us, it wasn't written in our language, it wasn't written to our culture, but somehow we find ourselves in the story. Somehow we read about the Israelite journey through the wilderness and we find ourselves in that journey. And it begins to shape us. It begins to shape who we are. I was uh, reading and discussing and meditating on a proverb this week with a group of people. Uh, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3, it says, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Now, if you read that, you're like, oh, okay, I think I see what that's saying. I think I know what that's saying. Uh, and the other thing is we have this amazing computer sitting in our pocket at all times, right? So anytime we see something, that we're slightly confused about, or a word that we don't use every day, we can say, oh, I'm going to look it up. What does it mean? For me, it's like crucible. I read that word crucible, and I feel like I've heard that word before, but I, don't know what it, I didn't know what it meant. And so I Google it, and the first thing that comes up is what I remember hearing about this word, which is the movie The Crucible with Winona Ryder, right? About the Salem witch trials. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, it can't be about that, right? And so then I find the definition. What is the definition of that word crucible? And the definition of the word crucible is a ceramic or metal container in which metals or other substances may be melted or subjected to very high temperatures. Because when you're mining silver, it has impurities in it. How do you get those impurities out? You place it inside this container called a crucible. You put it in fire. You melt it. And the silver goes to the bottom and all the impurities float to the top. And you can skim off the impurities to make the silver more pure. And then all of a sudden, the scripture becomes more tangible. 
It becomes something that instead of just reading and moving on, instead of just being like, oh, the crucible for silver, furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Okay, cool. I think I know what that means. I'm just going to move on because my daily reading plan says I need to read an entire chapter of Proverbs today. Right? But when we slow down and all of a sudden we're like, I want this to shape me. I want this to shape my life. And then all of a sudden it becomes very personal. And then all of a sudden it becomes, what are those impurities in my heart? Like, where does God need to place my heart in a crucible and allow those impurities to come to the surface so that he could skim those things off in my life? And all of a sudden, when we begin to meditate on these scriptures, it begins to shape every moment of our life. It begins to shape our character, who we are. When we meditate on the scriptures, we, we, learn, to, we learn what God's voice sounds like. We learn what his character is and what he wants to do in uh, and through our life. Um, the second thing that I've really kind of learned is, uh, number two for me, is we need to learn to pray better. Learn to pray better. What I've really learned about my own life, my own prayer life, uh, and even what I've really observed uh, for Western evangelical Christianity, is that I don't think we're very good at praying. I, I don't think we really pray that often. Um, because I don't think anyone ever really taught us how to pray well. And I think what I've, what I've really seen and observed is so often our prayer life just becomes a list of the things that we want God to do in our life. And that's it. God, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Amen. Right? Because we've read things in the scriptures like when Jesus says, uh, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give good gifts to those who ask him. Or we read scriptures like, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move this mountain. And so I think what happens is we, we begin to live this lifestyle of prayer where we're constantly just asking for all the things that we want, all the things that we think God should be doing. And when he doesn't do those things, we just get mad at him and then we stop praying. I know that was my experience. And so I, I want us to learn a better model of prayer. Because I feel like the way that we pray, it's actually a very pagan way of praying. Uh, and it's actually violating the fourth commandment that God gave to Moses. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Right? So a lot of times we think that command is about when someone says, oh my God. So you say, oh, I say, oh my God, that means you're violating the fourth command. Uh, when in fact, what, what this command is telling us is this is a polytheistic culture. And in a polytheistic culture, you have a myriad of different gods, one for the rain, one for the sun. And you would do these certain sacrifices or these certain rituals, and then the gods would have to do what you're asking them to do if you do it right. And I think so often that becomes the way that we pray. If I could just say it the right way, if I could just say it with the right amount of faith, if I could just name it and claim it, then God's going to have to do it. Right? But I love, what, um, I love what Brian Zond says about prayer. Uh, he's an author, writer, pastor down in St. Joe, Missouri. He says, The primary purpose of prayer is not to advise or manage God, but to be properly formed, to be in the presence of God, and to be transformed by God. And then Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, 
Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. And so what I'm not saying is that we should never come to a place where we're asking God uh, for a blessing in our life. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I think what's happened is that's become the only thing that we do in our prayer life. And we have this entire book of poems and prayers in the Psalms. And then when we read on the, in this passage, Jesus says, this is how you should pray. So if we continue that passage, it says, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so what I've found in my life is that when I start, uh, when I start my prayers with and our Father, when I start with the Psalms, um, I'm not starting with my own agenda. I'm not starting with all the things that I want God to do in my life. I'm simply just praying these prayers that have been prayed for thousands of years. I'm stepping into this ancient uh, tradition that has been done for so long, and so many people who came before us have, have also prayed these prayers. And it puts our heart in the right place. It begins to place our hearts outside of this storm of voices and outside of even our own voice. Because I think a lot of times what ends up happening is we live in an echo chamber. We live in a world where we just want to hear our own voice bouncing back at us. And so typically the things we listen to are the things that we agree with. Uh, when what this is doing is it's, it's placing that outside of us and we're saying, I'm just really going to pray this prayer that Jesus prayed. I'm going to put my heart there. Uh, and then move on. And then what I typically like to do is after I begin my prayers, allowing God to form me through these prayers, I ask him a simple question. And that question has a lot to do with that proverb that I read is, uh, God, will you reveal blind spots in my life? Right? When I'm, when I'm trying to listen to what the Spirit is saying to me, God, will you re- reveal these blind spots in my life? What are those impurities that kind of need to come to the surface so that you can reveal them to me and so that you can skim them off the top? Uh, And then we can ask uh, ask for a small direction. Ask for a small direction. I think often when we think of listening to God, we think of a crystal ball. We think of how can God reveal to me my career? Or how can he reveal to me where I'm supposed to live or where I'm supposed to go? Or should I move here or should I move there? And that's where I I think sometimes we see it so often as what are these big crystal ball decisions rather than what is one small direction I need to take today? When me and Nicole moved into our house about a year ago, uh, for some reason my heart was drawn to my neighbor across the street. And I didn't really know 100% why, but I just, I felt like I needed to connect to him. Uh, but he was pretty quiet, reserved. He didn't come out of his house often. And I didn't want to be like that awkward neighbor, right? The one who's like knocking on the door, seems nosy, or seems like I'm getting in his business. Uh, and so probably over the course of a year, I only connected with this guy three or four times. 
And I felt guilty because I felt like, man, am I not doing what God is asking me to do because I'm not connecting with this guy? And I felt this guilt. You know, I'm actually, I'm a shy introvert, which many of you probably don't see that side of me because you see uh, me speaking from a stage. But I am. Like, it's hard for me to step into those conversations. And so I only connect with him a few times, and then he, get in, he got into some trouble. He got into some trouble. I went over, and I was talking to him, and he was confiding in me with some things. And uh, two weeks later, he knocks on my door. Two weeks later, he knocks on my door, and he says, hey, would you and your wife, because I know you guys do foster care, be willing to take my kids into your house until I can work with the state to get them back? And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, light bulb. Like, that's exactly why God, a year ago, began to place something in my heart. He began to move towards a person, someone that I need to move in a small direction towards. I need to look for every opportunity to connect with. Because God was preparing my heart for something that I was eventually going to be able to step into. And so I wonder for you, like, is there ever a moment where you kind of feel God tugging at your heart? Like there's a person or someone at work or a neighbor or a classmate that, that you just kind of feel drawn to and you're not sure why. And I think it's so important for us to constantly go, go to God in prayer and begin to listen to him. And ask him, what's one small step? What's one small direction I can take? today uh, to hear your voice. And then the last thing is, um, is just that. Ask God who you need to listen to. Ask God who you need to connect with. Who do you, just simply saying, God, will you put someone on my heart? Will you place someone on my mind that I need to have lunch with today, that I need to call, that I need to send a text, uh, that I need to begin to listen to? Uh, just this week, um, it was a weird couple weeks for me. It's been a weird couple weeks. I feel like it's been one of those weeks where um, I've kind of heard this like this clanging voice in my head of negativity. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but it's just like this voice that constantly reminds you of past failures or uh, just areas that you're not doing well or you're dropping the ball. And so I've, it's just like, and I know this voice is lying to me, but it's like a bell that just keeps clanging in my ear. And uh, and it's been hard to get it out of my head. I feel like I'm doing good rhythms of rest and good rhythms of listening. And this voice f- from the back of my brain just keeps still telling me these lies. Uh, and then out of the blue, I had a friend text me. I haven't talked to this guy in four years. We were friends when I lived in California. No, more than four years. Yeah, yeah, I haven't talked to him in four years. And he texted me and he said, hey, my wife said to me last night, we really need to pray for the Radkeys. I don't know why. Can we talk? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then all of a sudden, my friend, who I haven't talked to in so long, was able to, over the phone, just kind of pray into that situation in my life. To make that voice quieter. To remind me that there's a voice that is bigger and stronger. There's a voice that I should be formed by. Not the voice that's lying to me, but the voice that's actually calling me to more. And so I wonder, like, would you, could you be so in tune with God that God places someone on your heart and then you could reach out to that person? Because this is the beauty of living a life of listening. This adventure of listening is that we actually have the audacity to believe that God could speak to us. Right? This is for those of us who actually want to live an adventurous life of faith. 
uh, that, we, that we don't just believe in Jesus, but we truly want to follow him. Because we believe that God came in the flesh, that God died on a cross so that my sins can be forgiven, so my body can be cleansed from my sin, so the spirit of God can actually dwell in me. Right? In me to speak and to comfort, to give me purpose and direction. And sometimes it's those big picture things. Sometimes it is like move away or quit your job. Sometimes it is those things, but a lot of times it's these small nudges. It's this gentle whisper in our soul. And, without, and it takes a lifetime for us to really truly figure out what that voice sounds like. It takes a lot of trial and error. And really what it takes is a community of people to come together to really invest in each other, to test those things. When you, if you feel God nudging your heart, uh, find a group of friends that you connect with that you can actually have these conversations with, that you can actually engage in this, this life of faith with, right? So how is your listening skills? How are you listening? Are you entering into this rhythm regularly? Because if you are sitting here and you're like, man, I don't want to just believe in Jesus, but I want to follow him with everything. I'm telling you, if you live this rhythm of rest to create margin in your life where you're not ridiculously busy, and then you begin to, to uh, listen, to recognize there's a ton of voices that are competing for, for your thoughts, and you're, and you're listening saying, God, I want to be in the eye of your storm. I want to be in that place of rest and quiet in the midst of all this chaos. Uh, and we listen, I'm telling you those two things, rest and listen. God, we're going to see him do amazing things in and through our life because of it. And so I want the band to come back up. What I want us to do to close out today is I want us to practice. I want us to, I want us to take some time. You know, I, I feel like sometimes on a, on a Sunday morning we can, we have so much things that we need to get through. Sorry, Logan, I stole your uh, thing. Um, there's so many things that we need to accomplish, and we don't often create spaces for quiet, spaces that we can actually begin to ask God these things and these questions. And so if you would, would you guys bow your heads with me? Close your eyes, and would you, if you know this prayer, the Our Father, would you just say it with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, shape that in us today. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Thank you for the food that you have given us. Thank you for the grace that we get to swim in. Help us to have grace and forgiveness for others. God, don't allow us to be led into places of temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Would you say that prayer with me one last time? But this time, I want us to just simply whisper the words. Don't worry about following along. Don't worry about being perfectly in sync with the people next to you. But just simply, in where you are right now, just whisper these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart God, what impurities are in my heart? When you test my heart and you place it in the crucible, what impurities come to the surface? What are those things that you want to teach me today and reveal to me today? pray that you will begin to skim those off of my life. Help me to step into that truth today. God, where are you at work? In my family, in my job, in my neighborhood. What's one small direction you can give me today? God, give me the courage today to step into that that you just spoke to me. God, who needs a listening ear? Who in my life do I need to reach out to, have coffee with, call, text? Who needs my ear? Who needs to find healing in their life through my ear today, this week. Jesus, thank you that we have ears in our head and we get to listen to beautiful music and we get to speak and communicate with people that we love. But God, thank you for this internal ear, this voice that defines us, that calls us to more. 
that when we reach out, you actually speak, you reveal softly and gently, you whisper. God, help us to be defined by your voice. That with all the voices that are out there, God, today we want to we wanna listen to you. And so Jesus, today we come to your communion table and we say thank you that because your body was broken on the cross and your blood was shed for the forgiveness of my sins, that when I am able to step into that reality, I can invite your spirit to connect with me and live in me. That my body becomes a temple that you dwell inside of and that you go with us and we go with you. And so today, Jesus, we give you our hearts, we give you our minds, we give you our lives, and we give you our ears. We want to rest in your grace, and we want to listen to your voice. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? And during our last song, man, if God is doing something in you or... If you just want to come around the communion table and declare, Jesus, you are God in the flesh. Your body was broken on a cross and I need to be shaped by you. I need your flesh to become my flesh. I need your blood to become my blood. I want to be cleansed so your spirit can live in me so I can hear your voice because all these other voices are calling me to less, but your voice is going to call me to more. And that's what I want in my life. And so if that's you today, during this last song, you're welcome to join us uh, in communion.